Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Michael Brown, the founder and proprietor of Cirque, a family-run estate winery established in 2009 by Michael and his wife, Sarah, in the heart of Russian River Valley in Sonoma County, California. Inspired by their surroundings, their most recent Pinot Noir is a blend of Mother Nature's offerings from vineyards around the region. Um, he got started before that. He's got an absolutely incredible journey, and he is the author of Pinot Rocks, um, a absolutely fascinating book you simply must read. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. We're going to go back in time a little bit because you didn't start out in the wine business. You literally ran away and joined the circus. Tell us, uh, only person I've ever met who's done that. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Well, I didn't really run away. <laughs> you joined the circus. Yeah, it was a youth circus, my hometown of Wenatchee, Washington. And we'd go there when I was a little kid and I was just... It blew me away what they were doing. It was a full-blown circus. And I tried football. I tried baseball, soccer, all those things. It wasn't my gig. When I was 12 years old, my buddy said, he was the guy on the trapeze. He said, uh, join the circus, man. I go, I don't know how to do that. He goes, it doesn't matter. It's really fun. Just join it. Pro started practicing. And the first thing I wanted to do was get on the unicycle team. So that Christmas, my parents bought me a unicycle. I would ride around town, practicing, you know, and then I got on the team. And we used to have like five unicycle people. And then we'd stack people on our shoulders, like four, and then three, then two, then one. I said, well, I want to be a fire eater. How do I do that? So I talked to the fire eaters. They go, here's how you do it. And so I practiced. I made my own little fire eating wands, you know. You take a old uh, coat hanger and you wrap it with cotton and you dip it in fuel and you eat it, right? Not that complicated of a thing. And then I said, well, I'm never going to get on the high wire. Well, a year later, I'm on a bicycle on the high wire, 25 feet in the air. And uh, it taught me about practice. And I said, there's no way I'm ever going to get on the trapeze. I'm not an acrobat. They said, Michael, do you want to be the catcher on the flying trapeze? And I said, yeah. Said, yes, please. Right? And uh, I did it. And that was some scary stuff, man. You're hanging upside down, timing people. 
right? And I clap your hands and they fly through the air, the greatest of ease. <laughs> and you catch them and you throw them back. And uh, it taught me a lot about life that if you practice, you persevere and you can do anything you want, anything. I wanted to be a craftsman. I wanted to be a businessman. And uh, that's where the wine business came. How did you get, how did you discover the wine business? Because it isn't something most of the time, unless you're born into it or have an obsession with it, that most people consider as a career path. And you were in the circus. How did you get to, how did you discover the wine business? Uh, through the restaurant business. When I was 13 years old, I was in the wood shop and I was making uh, $5 a week for my dad mowing our lawns, my allowance, so to speak. And he goes, oh dude, you can wash dishes for three thirty-five an hour. I go, now that makes sense. And so then I got promoted out of the dish pit into cutting onions. And I got a job at this restaurant on bays, you know, steak Diane, Cherry's Jubilee, Scampi, all this stuff. And the manager said, Michael, you're 16, you can't do flambés, so lie on our application and say you're 18. <laughs> and I did that. I was 16 years old, making people steak Diane. And then I moved to Santa Rosa, because I wanted to go to school down here. And my grandparents lived here, and uh, I got another job at a restaurant down here doing the same thing, doing flambés. And, uh, on Mondays, we had the day off and we, I call it a cannonball run. We go to all these wineries and uh, go taste wines and see these wines. And, and I grew up around agriculture. So when actually Washington is a tree fruit area, I grew up in the trees eating apples and cherries and peaches and things like that. And then I got down here and I go, wow, this is a high end agriculture. And, uh, and I'd go to the, I'd say, wow, they're doing something here. And I'd go back in a winery and I would see all the stainless steel equipment, all these things that they would do. I go, that's cool. And here is the kicking point for me. I'd walk into the barrel room and it was like a city of angels because they were like alive. I go, what is the energy level? Was And I still have it today. When I walk into our barrel room, like, wow, these things, it's like a horse, you know, you pat them on the belly and you go, how you doing? You know, sometimes they say the barrels, right? It sounds kind of weird, but sometimes they say, leave me alone. Sometimes they say, I'm here, right? And that, that just hooked me, that, that, that energy hooked me. And I said, I, I want to do this, but how do I do it? How do I get there? And then at one point, um, I moved back to Seattle. I met my wife, Sarah, who's still my wife. And I said, I'm going to move back to Santa Rosa. And I want you to go with me. And I'm going to volunteer at a winery to learn how to make wine. I might get my job back at a uh, restaurant I used to work at, John Ash and Company. And I'm going to sleep at my buddy's futon in his living room. Do you want to go? <laughs> Quite a pitch. Oh, man. And she looks at me like, I thought you were breaking up with me. And it was really cool. Her aunt on the going away party, you know, she pushes me a bit against a wall with her hand around my neck. And she said, if you ever mess with Sarah, I will kill you. <laughs> I go, I like this family. <laughs> this is good. So anyway, I'm just volunteering at a winery and, and, uh, you know, he kept going and it worked. Now, before you started Cirque with Sarah, you had founded Costa Brown Winery back in 1997, and, and that Wine Spectator named you Wine of the Year back in 2011. Talk a little bit about the origin of Costa Brown. 
Well, I, I showed up at John Ash and I know Dan Costa, good friend. And I said, Hey man, I need a job like three nights a week. Cause I got to make some money, you know? And I, I know how to do just about everything in the restaurant, right? I could cook, I could bartend, I could sommelier, I could uh, wait tables, I could manage, whatever. And he goes, well, why are you back? I said, I want to make wine. He goes, so do I. And so every night we would, uh, I said, okay, let's make a pack. When we work together, we'll, we'll put 10 bucks into a, into a tip jar and let's buy some grapes, make wine. And that was 97. And we, uh, we did that. And Jeffrey Madura, the chef at the time at John Ash, he helped us round it out. You know, it was like $800. We started this business with $800. And, uh, the original name was Altera, which was, sounds like a housing unit, you know? And some guy calls me, that's my name. I own that. And I said, well, let's call it Costa Brown or Brown Costa. What's it going to be? But Brown Costa sounds like a venomous spider. <laughs> and so we called it Costa Brown and uh, just started going for it and just learning as we went. We didn't know anything about how to do this. Nothing. And uh, we just started um, doing our thing. And then it started rolling. And it was really tough because I was working seven days a week. I had a winemaking job, restaurant at night a new child. He's turning 20 this year, actually. And, um, Costa Brown and it was a tough time, but we, we, we persevered, you know, we went through it. We, um, just did what we could and the thing started taking off. And I said, okay, I'm holding on to this one. I'm holding on to it. And we did that. And, uh, it turned out to be a very successful business. And we sold that business three times. And the last time I said, well, I got to do something else. I'm going to stay in the wine business. And that's where Cirque came out. And that's where Chev came out, my new label. And we, uh, now we have our own winery, Brown Family Wines. And we own it. And uh, I'm in no hurry. No hurry. That is absolutely incredible. Why do you say that wine is storytelling? I say that because, um, think about it this way. You sit around a fireplace, you might have some food. Hopefully you got some good music because I love music. You might have a bottle of wine, but that leads to conversation and that leads to storytelling. And I love stories. It's like the old, the old guy that would, uh, paint on the wall in a cave, you know, you tell a story. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah, wine leads you to conversation. That's the storytelling part. What do your passions obvious? What do you like best about what you do? I love being around mother nature and being in the vineyards, being uh, out with the butterflies, with the birds, and then crafting something. I call our winery our shop. So after the whole season, the vintage, so to speak. Um, it is what it is. It's Mother Nature. We don't. We only have so much control, and you can't control it. And then you bring it in and you craft something, and hopefully somebody enjoys it. Right. What do you think some of the key personality traits are that led to your eventual success? Mm, personality traits. Uh, 
I think, again, perseverance and going for it. Because in any craft, you have to work really hard at it. It's the 10,000 hour thing, you know, and um, you just got to keep going for it and, and risking and failing and um, practicing. And while that didn't work out, well, how am I going to do it differently? Um, or wow, that worked. How am I going to do that better? You know, and um, just again, perseverance, I guess, right? What have been some of the biggest challenges you've overcome and what'd you learn from them? Uh, just working hard, you know, and not giving up. You don't give up. And when something slaps you in the face hard, well, you take it and you keep moving forward. You, you, t you don't take no for an answer, right? You just got to keep moving. And um, you're going to fall on your face. There's no doubt but that's okay. It's a learning experience, right? When you fall off a horse, I've done that many times. <laughs> you get back up on it. And this one time I'm in a horse group and I fell off a horse. We were about both, we were both going to die, me and the horse. <laughs> Big old sucker. And this little guy, he's rodeo dude. He goes, get back on it. I go, no. I'm not going to get back on the horse. And he said, no, you are, because we got 18 miles to get back to camp. And so I got back on the horse. And that's a, just a, a, a metaphor or an analogy, whatever you want to, however you want to put it. Translate things in life. When you hit the ground, you get back on it and you go for it. What inspired you to write the book? You know, I used to uh, have lunch with a gentleman named James Lauby, who was an editor for the Wine Spectator magazine. And um, we'd have lunch, you know, once or twice a year. And, and he said, Michael, this is like seven years ago. He said, Michael, you got to write your story. I go, I don't know how to write a book. He goes, it's simple, but he's a writer. And he goes, just dictate it and write it. And I thought about that and I go, I, there's no way I can't do it. And, but I said, you know, it'd be kind of cool for my kids to have a, uh, my story. Cause I wish I had a book of my great grandfather, for example, or whoever my ancestors were and what they went through, what they did. And then I did some talk at, uh, in Napa. It was with, you know, Google executives and people like that, you know. They wanted a wine guy, and there was a book guy there. His name is Tucker Max. I've known Tucker for years. Oh, you have? Yeah. Yes. And I'm sitting there in the back. I'm all mic'd up, right? And uh, Tucker's standing right next to me. And I listened to his pitch on his book in the box thing. It's now called Scribe Media. Right? Yes. My picture comes up, and the Costa Brown logo comes up because I'm getting ready to go up. I'm finishing out this thing. He goes, oh, I love that wine. Because he, he grew up in the restaurant business. And um, he looks at me going, that's you. And I go, yeah. And the next day, he calls me, says, can we come over? <laughs> we want to see your winery. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he brought his, uh, at the time, his, his girlfriend, his little baby. Now they have three, I think. But anyway... He goes, you got to write a book and um, I'm going to do it for you. And I said, okay, let's go. 
that was over four and a half years ago. And uh, we went through it and he would come up here. We would do Zoom calls, all Skype, all this different stuff and uh, dictated the thing and, and we got it done. And I just wanted to tell part of my story and just part of the story. Well, it's a fascinating book and you've built an incredible business. Congratulations on all the success for our folks who are watching and listening and want to get a copy of the book and perhaps buy some wine. Where are the best places for us to send them? So uh, the, bo the book is, the best place is Amazon. And I'll talk about the audio book in a second. And brownfamilywines.com. They're all tied together. And uh, we don't have a lot of wine to sell, but we can certainly get people on the list. It takes a year or two, you know, uh, to get an allocation of the wines. But, but that's where people can go. And uh, if they mention that they saw you, um, we'll put, we'll log that in, those sorts of things, you know. Well, we and, greatly, we will send them there. We will send them to Amazon for the book. We know your time's incredibly valuable. We appreciate you sending some of it our way. This has been Seth Green with Shark Panur with Michael Brown of Pinot Rocks and Brown Family Wine. Thank you so much. Can I mention one thing? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So the audio book. So William Shatner did it. Oh, wow. And uh, the book company said, hey, uh, we got to have a narrator for your book. And here's like seven narrators. I went home that night and I go, well, I want Morgan Freeman or William Shatner. <laughs> Morgan Freeman would have been hard to get to. I got a loose connection, but I got a good connection with, with William Shatner. A week later, I'm on the phone with Captain Kirk and he goes, Michael, you know how he talks. Yeah, I, I like the manuscript, but it's got a lower tone. So I'm going to lower my tone. And he nailed it, man. So the audiobook is pretty fun. Well, that is fascinating. Obviously, uh, that, that'll lend its own element to it. Again, Seth Green with Michael Brown. Michael, thanks so much. Thanks, Seth. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you Do next time. Do you need time. money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>